You're looking live at the Ares 1-X rocket on pad 39B at NASA Kennedy Space Center. You're watching NASA Edge. Hey, welcome to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. In a new format, we're actually live today for the very first time. And unscripted. Which is normal. Which is scary because <laughs> you being live and unscripted at the same time scares me and Jackie. Uh, Editing usually saves them. Yes, uh, among other things. And who knew it'd be dark at 7 a.m., by the way? That's right. And in fact, uh, for those of you out there who have never heard of NASA Edge, uh, NASA Edge is an unscripted uh, video podcast that takes an inside and outside look at all things NASA. And Jackie, why don't you tell them how to uh, access the uh, podcast? All you have to do is go to www.nasa.gov backslash NASA Edge. You can also download the episodes on iTunes. Which I recommend, by the way. <laughs> and on the show today, if you want to send in a question, you can send a, a question about Aries 1-X or NASA in general mm -hmm. to NASA Learn at gmail.com, or if you're a Twitter fan, just uh, Twitter to NASA underscore Edge. And we are monitoring Twitter closely because we want to get all those questions in throughout the show and throughout the day leading up to the launch. Actually, let's go ahead and get started with the show, and I'd like to introduce Michelle Farabee. She is the Aerospace Education Services Project. How do you Michelle? Good morning. So what is ASP all about? It's all about teachers and students. It's all about uh, 22 um, educators at all NASA centers that are doing educated professional development and student programs in all the 50 states and U.S. territories. Now there's 10 NASA centers throughout the country? Yes. Okay. And we're bringing um, exciting programs, robotics programs, bringing that NASA content, getting it into the hands of students and teachers so that we can inspire a next generation of explorers so that we can go to moon and then on to Mars. Now are, the, are these trained, they're the trained NASA educators that will go out into the schools to work with the teachers and the students? Yes, okay. that, exactly. And so kids today actually in the schools might be watching this program right now being inspired? Exactly. So don't listen to me, listen <laughs> to everyone else so that you can be inspired because this is an incredible event we have here today with Aries 1-X. Now, how do as a as a teacher? I'll tell you, I'm a, I'm a high school teacher. Actually, I'm a former high school teacher. Uh, how do I contact an ASP educator to come to my school? Well, you can do it different ways. Um, one way, of course, is to go to the NASA website okay. to uh, nasa.gov/education okay. and find uh, AESP. Um, also, a lot of our education specialists talk to go to out to the schools and reach out to the science right. supervisors and the math coordinators within all the school systems. And this is a free program? It's a free program and um, what else can I say? Can you get like special credit if you're not doing well in one of your math <laughs> classes and you get signed up, can you get some help, like me maybe? Well, you know, some of the teachers might on the side uh, for a small fee uh, give you a little bit of tutoring. I represented all the tutoring opportunities in the school system, that's for sure. Right, but, but this is the front line. This program is actually the largest, uh, the longest running K-12 program in NASA. Oh, wow. It's been in existence for almost 50 years. Wow. 50 years? 50 years. Do you remember that, 50 years so ago? So you target all teachers K through 12? We target all teachers K through 12, mm -hmm. and starting two years ago, actually, we started working with um, pre-service teachers, teachers that are still in college, mm -hmm. um, third and fourth year college students, to wow. try to get them um, used to using some of the NASA content. Sure. 
before they hit the classrooms. What kind of NASA content do you talk to them about? Everything, um, for example, all anything associated with Aries 1X, for example. Nice. Uh, we have programs um, to for uh, surrounding L Cross. Oh yeah. And well, that's impacted the moon. Ex exactly. Right, and they were actually looking at some real data in some classrooms when that when that happened, I believe. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, that's correct. So pretty much you stay up with all the current NASA topics and the current NASA missions. Yes, that's, that's correct. So we, people like you, the education public outreach uh, people that are right working in the mission directorates, our educators stay in touch with you all and talk to the scientists and engineers um, to try to make sure that a lot of the public outreach information is also usable in the classrooms. Um, we have lesson plans and curricula that are aligned with the national and the state standards and we'll actually tailor our workshops um, to the needs of the particular schools that we go on and try to support. So it benefits everybody basically. It benefits everybody. And, and what better way to, to, to get real content, real data that you're using in the classroom so when that student goes up to teach and says we have to learn about algebra or, or you know about physics or chemistry I mean, we can answer that those questions. Exactly. That's awesome. Do you find that the teachers are just as excited as the students? They really are. Okay. They really are. And we want to try to come up with some new programs to try to get the teachers more immersed in what the engineers and scientists actually do so that they know more about um, why the students are learning um, and, as opposed to just going in and, and just having to do the rote teaching. Sure. That's cool. Well, Michelle, we want to thank you so much uh, for being here today. We have to take a quick break, and when we do, we'll be back with uh, Jill Marlowe, who's uh, her title. She it's is a long the deputy, title. Yeah, deputy director for the Systems Engineering Directorate at NASA Langley Research Center. At NASA Center. Langley. And uh, we'll actually be uh, talking with her and um, coming back with questions. Cool. Thanks, Michelle. Well, thank you. Go Aries 1X. Absolutely. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks. Thank you. I think he's going to want to see a license and registration. Well, we don't have a license and registration for a test article. Well, look at see if we can find something. Maybe we can find Mike Gernhardt's thesis for this system. Oh no, here he comes. Well, let me do the talking. Hello, officer. Sir, do you know how fast you were going? Officer, here on Earth or on the moon? Sierra 3 dispatch, I've got a runner. Looks like they're going to make a left on 5th Street. Yeah, well, you shouldn't have used the co-host as your character witness. Well, you're certainly right about that. Come on, let's get this place cleaned up. You bet. We're back with our NASA Edge. An inside and outside <laughs> look at all things NASA. And as you can just, you've just witnessed uh, an aspect of the live production where I wasn't paying attention to what was going on. Yeah, but so. that's okay. It's the first time we've done this, so, uh, you know, we'll see how I actually it goes. was watching the live feed on the computer, which is slightly delayed, so I got a little distracted. But it won't happen again because with live programming, you actually learn. That's true. You know, so I'm learning on the job. Well, let's get to the to the to the meat of the program today: the Ares One X launch. And this is going to be an exciting launch uh, today. Hopefully, absolutely. That the weather holds out because for the first time, we have a different uh, vehicle on Pad 39B other than shuttle. Right. Which is amazing. Which is amazing in and of itself. I mean, it's been what since Saturn. 
uh, a launch That's on right. it. So it's been, it's been over 30 years right. at least. This is actually my very first launch ever, not to mention the fact that um, I've never known another vehicle, so this is extremely historical. For Jackie. For, for me. me. <laughs> well, for everybody. For everybody. Program, right. Absolutely. And in fact, we have an expert to my left. We have uh, Jill Merlot, who is the uh, Deputy Director for the Systems Engineering Directorate at NASA Langley Research Center, which we're based out of. That's right. And Jill, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. It's pretty cool to talk to uh, you know, an engineer who's actually worked on, on the rocket. Hey, you want to touch me? Oh, yeah. I want to touch <laughs> <really>. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's talk about that a little bit. Let, uh, let's talk about that because um, you, you were intimately involved in this project coming along. So how does it feel to be right here? on the brink uh, of the launch. You have no idea. I mean, it, this has been three years in the making for so much of the team. I was privileged to be a part of it for a short mm -hmm. time, but it's like you just said, this is so historic. This is the birth of a whole new human space transportation system. And the kids who are in school today probably won't even remember shuttle. They'll remember this. Right. And anybody who's watching will get to say they were there from the very beginning. This is the first test flight leading up to a whole new series of rockets to get people to space. And for the fans out there, we actually have a, a pretty cool animation that we're going to show you on, on how the Ares 1X rocket will launch. And Jill, uh, let's uh, take a look at the animation and kind of run through what's going on. Okay. Here. Very good. So there's our rocket. It's 327 feet tall, 32 stories. It was made all over the country, sliced up like a hot dog and then integrated together, which is no small feat in and of itself. And here it is blasting off. There's a little maneuver to kick it away from the tower to avoid damaging the tower. That plume is really powerful. And now it's completing its liftoff maneuver, which is one of the most intense parts of the flight. Now here on Ascent, um, one of our flight objectives is to show that we can actually control this new rocket configuration. And it's executing about four different maneuvers that where we basically steer the rocket in a known way and then see if the rocket will react exactly the way we thought it would. And now it's coming up on its 130,000 feet where we'll actually separate the booster from the CM last and the upper stage, the hey, upper parts of the can rocket. We pause the, can we pause the video for a second, Ron? Now I got a question. Now we this saw first stage separation. Now yes, where are those uh, thruster firings down towards the uh, the end the of the back uh, end of the, the rocket? Of the rocket. Well, there's actually two different sets of little uh, rockets back there. There's the um, booster tumble motors and the booster deceleration motors. The big ones that we saw fire just a couple of seconds ago are the booster deceleration motors, and their whole purpose is to actually slow down the booster so that the rest of it can continue on and they won't come into recontact, okay. which okay. would be bad. And then the ones that you can see frozen on the screen right now are the booster tumble motors. You see they're only on one side, and it actually helps the rocket to spin in a certain way as it tumbles. And we'll see that in a few seconds. And you'll there. see that in a few seconds, yeah. Okay, but that's, wait, well, that's very important to, to know because you're, you're wanting to control that landing uh, but not so for the first stage. That's right. Or that's upper right. Stage. The uh, the upper stage and the and the tip of the rocket will tumble into the Atlantic and break up, and we'll see that in a minute on the animation. Okay, let's go ahead and continue the animation if we can. There it goes. So those little rockets are causing it to tumble, gotcha. and actually, it's a carefully designed tumble. If it doesn't slow down and tumble exactly right, our parachutes won't open. Okay. And if the parachutes won't open, it won't stay intact, and we won't be able to recover the booster, which is another one of our primary test objectives. And, and we learned all that during the shuttle, so we know how to reuse these uh, that's right. uh, and actually, SRBs. That's right, and this one is actually assembled from uh, pieces of prior SRBs from 30 different shuttle flights. Wow. 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 Now this upper stage... It's like a big Lego set that you kind of... <laughs> <laughs> now the upper stage just in like the, uh, the crew module and the launch abort system will just fall into the Atlantic Ocean. That's, it that's will. A, it's, a, it's a mass simulator. Uh, yes, that's yeah. exactly okay. right, and it's actually designed to break up out there. Okay. 
do, do, are there any eyewitnesses that we have planned to, to see it happen, to, to, to monitor that? Or? You know, I don't actually know if we're monitoring where it goes in uh, visually, yeah. what you mean. Well, because no. it, it's a fine line. I mean, you want to be safe, but that's going to be coming in without a parachute. So, so <laughs> yeah. Well, the range is cleared, so yeah. that, I mean, it's, well, it's we, clearly safe. We see the parachutes deploying uh, for right, the, uh, the, the first stage. Yeah, that was the pilot chute, and here come the main chutes, and they'll fully inflate in just a second. Now, since this, <laughs> the, solid, the solid rocket booster is a, is a five-segment solid rocket booster as opposed to shuttle uses a four-segment, the, right. the, the parachutes on this particular uh, SRB are much bigger than the ones uh, from the shuttle. Yeah, and there it goes. It's, it's coming on in, and it just ejected the nozzle. And now we'll get to see it land, and look, it's completely intact. Isn't that nice that's when a, simulations that, work? Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it is very cool. we got to get a job where we can get some scuba gear and yeah. go actually uh, I know. And retrieve that. Those guys have a cool job, don't well, so, they? Well, so they really do, right afterwards, send divers in. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not as familiar with the operations segment, but I do know that um, demonstrating the recovery of this is uh, one of our primary test objectives. Um, you know, this is a whole new era in the way we're doing things, and uh, and and not only is it um, new technically from a rocket perspective, but we're also doing a lot that's new operations-wise. So, for example, right now in the firing room is a much smaller group of folks that are right there on console to launch this rocket than you ever saw on shuttle, and just that whole process is a new thing that we're also testing out. Well, it seems to me like that's going to accelerate things. Like in the Apollo days, we're we're breaking new ground and just sort of learning as we go, and now. It seems like we're going to be able to take the benefit of that program with the shuttle program and sort of combine the two and the new program. Absolutely. And, and get further faster. And, uh, well, well, we're always trying to leverage everything that we've learned before and, and make good use of it as we go forward. We don't have to relearn things we already know. Well, no. that's, uh, that's good. <laughs> Being an engineer, of course, as an engineer, you're, you're very interested in data. I'm very right? interested in so, data. <laughs> I mean, because that's, that's your whole... Uh, so the thing is, with 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 all this data, you know, you're going to be taking something like 700 different measurements. Yeah, I didn't the mention that. There's 700 different data points all over the rocket, um, and they actually match up to points that we studied while we were designing the rocket, and also points that we tested in the wind tunnels beforehand. Right. So this will be a time where we get to actually compare all of that data and see if our methods are good. That's now, a lot of data points. Is that data? It's actually not nearly as many as the analysts want. Really? We wanted, oh, wow. we wanted many, many more. Would, would they ever <laughs> ask for less? I mean, wouldn't, aren't oh. the analysts, don't they tend to want everything? Yes, right? we were asked for quite a, quite a yes, okay. <laughs> to where, reduce that set substantially. Where is that data stored? <laughs> where is that data stored? There's actually some onboard computers, and then the data is also telemetry down oh, as awesome. the flight, okay. yep, up until separation. Is that a redundancy, or is that just a... There, there are redundant data units on board, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, Jackie, I think we actually have a fan video from the Turn Basin. We do. Franklin is out talking to to several people who are out watching the Aries 1X, waiting for it to launch. So let's see what that video is all about and see what they're saying. What does today mean for the history of NASA? Uh, in terms of the history of NASA, today is, is a really big milestone because it's the first time in uh, almost 20 to 30 years that we're launching a new vehicle to replace the shuttle. So there's a lot of people who've never been part of this that are going to get a chance today to put a new vehicle out there. That's a great job, Franklin, out there with his uh, iPhone uh, taking video immediately. You're using the show. current technology at Absolutely. its best. Absolutely. Hey, I just got an update. Uh, okay. You know, it's like a, you know, just, that was kind of cool, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I used to be in the Secret <laughs> Service, so I'm used to the IFB. So. It turns out from our good buddy Derek Wang, uh, He's saying that the rotating service structure that surrounds Aries 1-X is being retracted. Ah. But uh, it's, it's, it's in the park position, but we're still keeping an eye on the weather. Yes. Um, 
there, there could be a case where it might get delayed because of weather, so we're going to stay tuned and see what happens. Yep, the, the electronics yeah. don't like lightning so much. Now, now, speaking of the weather, I happen to have a list of 15 weather conditions that uh, will prevent the launch from taking place. We'll, we'll look at the, so, uh, at the, at the video. We can oh, see. that's beautiful. Oh, that's, yeah, that's beautiful. But anyway, if, if weather does become a problem, I'll be peppering the show uh, with different uh, incidents that might cause a reason for delay. Oh, I thought you were going to do like a top ten list. Uh, <laughs> I was getting all excited uh, for a Pressure's there. on. It's live TV. I don't <laughs> have writers like oh, or anything. Of course, that's a good thing. So let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll check out some more fan video. Excellent. You're watching NASA Edge. And inside and outside to look at? At all things NASA. <laughs> yes, we are. And uh, Welcome back. To NASA Edge Live. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. <laughs> Where the promos are a little too short for me to review all the notes that I have that I'm, I'm going over before uh, we went to break. So sorry about that. Uh, and but that's I, okay. I think we might have another uh, fan video. Is that true, Ron? Oh, they're going to, they're queuing that up now. But before we actually go to that fan video, we actually uh, had a chance to talk to the deputy mission manager, uh, uh, John Cowart. Uh, from NASA Kennedy, and let's see uh, what John had to say about. Well, uh, actually, b before we do that, yeah. before we do that, we are starting to get some questions to come in from oh, Twitter I, and email. I'm sorry, I jumped the gun. Yeah, you okay. did. And and uh, Jackie, I believe, has a question from our viewers. Sure. Uh, will the Ares One X rocket be used for lunar projects? And with the advances to the new rover, will it be carried in this new rocket out of there? Interesting. Ah, well, so Ares 1X is actually just a test flight. It's a, it's a demonstration test flight, so it, in this configuration, will not. But it's part of the whole Ares family, which is intended to eventually carry it, the astronauts to the, to the moon and with whatever experiments that they will want to do there, you know, possibly including rovers. How many additional test flights will there be after this? Oh, it's a good question. Um, I actually don't recall the number. <laughs> it is a good question. And, and it's actually <laughs> sort of much debate because as engineers, we want as many test flights as right. possible. But of sure. course, we have to balance that with the mission that we need. You that like we to test to. every day if I, you want to, right? I would to, right? love to test every day. I love data. Did yeah. I mention I, I love data? You did okay. talk about loving okay. data, yeah. <laughs> All this talk of testing is bringing up bad memories uh, from school. So I, you know, I'd like to move well, on. So there's a different thing about these tests, right? Which is you even learn from failure. Oh. So, you know, there is no such thing as a failure in that way. So see, that should give you comfort. Uh, it gives me comfort and hope. Oh, Thank God. you so much. <laughs> hey, hey, I think we have uh, John Cowart's piece ready to go. So we're going to uh, hear from the deputy mission manager, John Cowart from NASA Kennedy. And, and we're going to do, it's, is that uh, Franklin's interview or? Yeah, Franklin's interview. Perfect. Yeah. Right. Okay, Absolutely. great. Yeah. Hey guys, I'm here today with uh, John Cowart, uh, deputy mission manager of Ares 1X. John, give us a brief overview of Ares 1X. Well, Ares 1X is a flight test of an Ares 1-like rocket. We're flying this thing so we can collect data to give to the Ares 1 folks. But also, by the way, we just collect data that's good for rocket science. For the first time that I'm aware of, we've taken a computer model with test points on it, then a wind tunnel model with the same test points on it, and then an actual rocket with the same test points on it, and we'll be able to compare all three and improve our ability to model rockets. So tomorrow, what'll happen at T0 at 8 a.m., you're going to see it lift off of pad B, It'll clear those towers in about six seconds, go supersonic in 39 seconds, and then the powered portion of the flight is over in two minutes and four seconds. And then we do the recovery of the first stage, and the upper stage just becomes a giant lawn dart out in the ocean. Yeah. So, so why, why won't you uh, retrieve the upper section? Well, because we don't need to. Mm -hmm. All the data that we're getting, you know, all, all those sensors that we have, we have 725 sensors on this rocket, mm -hmm. all the data is being 
first it's being tele uh, telemetered down, mm -hmm. uh, coming to us on the ground. Second of all, it's being recorded, and we feed that into the first stage. We're going to recover the first stage, so there's nothing in the upper stage except a whole bunch of platforms uh, that allow us to get to the top of the rocket, so mm -hmm. there's no need to recover it. And in fact, we had to do a study for the Coast Guard to verify that when it hit the water, it would sink. It would sink? Yeah. <laughs> How many miles downrange will the uh, Ares 1X Fly, okay, travel. it's going to come into two pieces. The first stage will mm -hmm. splash down about 110 miles out, mm -hmm. uh, and then the upper stage will go on about 130 miles before it hits the water. Visually, will, will it leave our sight? Uh, absolutely, it will leave your sight. You mm -hmm. will not see either one of them splash down because uh, separation occurs uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, like I said, uh, 25 miles out, and then it just comes, uh, continues on in a giant arc. So you'll lose sight of them. Okay. Where are you going to be on launch day? Well, I'm going to be over in Hangar AE, located over in the Cape side. The primary launch team is, of course, here in Firing Room 1. It's a very small launch team of only about 30 people. Mm -hmm. But the people who are sitting in what we call the back room, or the launch support team, we're all going to be in Hangar AE. Now, Hangar AE supports a lot of unmanned launches out here at the Cape, mm -hmm. so they have a very good history of doing this sort of thing. And we're trying to break with the shuttle tradition of having everybody in Firing Room 1 and 2, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So we're going to go with a small Firing Room 1, and our Firing Room 2 is not going to be over in Hangar E. So like I said, we're, we're trying to think out of the box and do new things. Those data points that you talked about earlier, yeah. uh, those are the things that you're going to be uh, monitoring from the Cape side? Absolutely. We look at all the sensors and what they're telling us, as well as the, the guidance, navigation, and control, and the flight control stuff. That, that's actually during the countdown what we'd be looking more for, is are those things behaving properly. Mm -hmm. Now, what is different from, with the Ares 1X from the Apollo Saturn missions? What's the difference in the size of the two rockets, or the rockets? Okay, well, a Saturn V was 365 feet tall, mm -hmm. and Ares 1X is 327 feet tall. A Saturn V was 33 feet uh, in diameter at the base. We are 12 feet in diameter at the base. And the thing that drives that is how much mass you're trying to get into orbit. Now, obviously, a Saturn V wanted to get a command module and a lunar module, as well as an Earth departure stage, had to get all those things into orbit. Mm -hmm. With an Ares rocket, all you're trying to do is get a command module and a service module and some crew. You're not taking a lunar module or an Earth departure stage, so we don't have to be near as big, and so, therefore, we don't need as much propellant. Okay. Well, let me, I'm going to step outside of uh, the uh, Aries talk for just a little yeah. bit. And on uh, launch day, right. you know, uh, we know you as a deputy mission manager, but yeah. on Twitter, you're... Uh, Rocky side. Rocky side. Yeah. Which personality is going to show up on launch day? <laughs> The, uh, when, I'm, when I'm dealing with my team, mm -hmm. I, have to, uh, I have to be the cold calculating engineer. Mm -hmm. uh, when I'm on Twitter, I'm the excited guy that I really feel I am inside. So uh, after this thing gets off the ground, I will be Rocky Side. I guarantee you, I'll be very excited. I'm pumped up on adrenaline. That and Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-launch, are we going to hear anything from Rocky Side? Uh, I'll try to a little bit. I'm kind of restricted in, in uh, what I can do from over there because uh, I, I don't have a lot of computer connectivity. Mm -hmm. So before I go into work in the morning, I'll okay. probably tweet something. And then as soon as I can get to a computer after the launch, I'll tweet something. Well, you know, before I came over here, Blair wanted me to bring you something. Uh, he gave me the launch codes and the launch code key <laughs> so that you can launch uh, Ares 1X. He picked this up uh, on... Uh, really? Uh, yeah. Well, this is great. Now I don't have to wait for a go from anybody else. <laughs> when I think it's ready, I can go. Uh, absolutely. Okay, that looks great to me. I'll hey, take it, man. Hey, John, thanks a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Guys, back to you. Well, I just I have to clarify some things because I, I was the victim of some fan fraud. Uh, somebody actually came to me and said that they had the launch code and the keys, and, and I, you know, I didn't I know anybody. I can't believe you fell for that. I, you know, I, I, 
I'm He's lost all my per diem. It's terrible. But uh, uh, there are no launch codes. There are no launch keys. So very mu much more sophisticated methods uh, than the old uh, NORAD from War Games back well, in the well, 80s. Well, you'll know for next time. Yeah, and, and I won't make the same mistake twice. It's all about learning, as as uh, Jill mentioned earlier. It's all about earlier. data. You know, you, you, you go through a I test, think, and then there you go. I think, Jack, you had a question real quick? Sure. Um, we, yesterday, we had an opportunity to get really close to the Aries 1X. And Jill, I don't know if you remember what you look like, but you were so excited to see something you had worked on. And it was the first time that you had ever seen it all put together because each piece came from different centers I around the nation. Tears coming from yeah, right. it was, it was it. just so motivational and so exciting to see you react that way. Oh, it was amazing to see it like that. The last time I actually saw the rocket was when it was in the VAB, probably, oh, I don't know, six months ago. Mm -hmm. And it was still in pieces. And I, you saw in the video with the interview with John, um, the, the guys crawling falling up inside the rocket. It gives you a sense of just how big it is when you're up next yeah. to each other. And then seeing it all put together on the pad like that, I did, it brought a tear to my eye. Wow. Engineers, we get emotional about this yeah. stuff, you know? Well, speaking, really about, speaking about uh, people getting excited, I think Franklin has another uh, video from uh, Turn Basin. Let's go check it out. So I understand you've been working on Ares 1X. Uh, what does the, the flight of Ares 1X today mean to you? Today's really kind of the big day. It um, sort of feels like graduation day, you know. We, I've been in Constellation since it first started, since the first concepts were developed. And now to be here on launch day watching uh, the Ares 1X rocket, which we worked so hard to get ready for, um, on the pad and ready to go, is really, really a great moment. Great moment, great goosebumps. That's awesome. Pretty, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, I'm really glad we have Franklin out there, uh, you know, on the scene talking to people. And it sounds like there are a lot of people out here like Jill that actually, you know, contributed to the project. So a lot of people out here feeling a sense of accomplishment mm -hmm. and excitement as we're on the brink of this uh, new start. I just like the fact that we're actually using uh, the technology to, that he's actually able to send, you know, live video to us. Yeah, well, Franklin's been sending a live video to lots of people for a long time, so it's old hat for him. But it's new for NASA Edge Live. I, I, I do have a question, though, about, about 1X. You know, this has been, you know, a, you said a three-year process you've been working on. I mean, take us back to that, you know, initial day when you, you first started working on the project. I mean, what, what was going through your mind at that point and then compared <laughs> to this now? I mean, take us through that. that, that oh, period. gosh. Well, I actually joined the project um, maybe, gosh, I think it was about a year or so ago. So I was only on it for a very short okay. time. And um, the design was well underway at that point, had already been through what we call a critical design review, which is where um, theoretically we know exactly <laughs> what that rocket is supposed to look at. But we still had some major technical challenges. We haven't designed a new rocket like this in 30 years. And so we were learning quite a bit at that time. And so what was going through my mind? It was, wow, can I really do this job? And then as I, I came onto the project, I realized there was an amazing team. And one of the great things about an Aries 1X and any project like this is that no one person can do it. We all actually have to work together. And if you remember back in school, you get these team projects and sometimes it'd be like one person would do all the work <laughs> and there were some slackers. You can't have that on a project right. like this. Everybody is important. Everybody carries a piece of the load, and you can't do it without each other. Right. So that teaming and that coming together and everybody really needing to know their stuff and, and actually kicking in and covering for each other, that was just amazing. And so I feel like I did fine. I guess we'll find out in a few minutes. Weather permitting. It's all about the data, though. It's all about the data. weather permitting. We want to be sensitive to that. But we've got another uh, question via email. This is, uh, the conceptual images of Ares show the second stage is covered in the orange foam, similar to the shuttle's external tank. Ares 1-X is all white. Is the, is the foam not there? 
or has it been painted like Columbia's first launch? Wow. Good question. Ah, so, so this is a suborbital flight, okay. and so we uh, we don't need the same kinds of thermal protection, and it is painted. Um, actually, it was kind of funny. The decals that you see on the rocket, right when I was coming on the, the program, um, the decals went on. And it took us a little bit to realize that that was actually interfering with the white paint, and we actually needed to check and make sure that that was okay from a thermal perspective. So my buddy oh, wow. Ruth, who does all the thermal analysis on the rocket, had to run some numbers and make sure that was all okay, and it was. Well, so. we want to give a shout out to Ruth. Good job. That's <laughs> awesome. Good job, well, Ruth. Hey, wait a minute. Before we act, we're actually going to.